0: Good morning, it, good afternoon, feels weird. If you're turning with me today, we're going to start in Proverbs 21, starting in Proverbs 21, and today I want to talk to you about the plan. We're going to talk about the plan. Have you ever heard, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it? Ever heard that saying? If you're aiming at nothing, you're going to hit nothing. All right, so, so what's your plan? Or maybe you've heard this one, or I'll ask it in the question. If I plan to fail and succeed, have I failed or succeeded? Not sure. <laughs> I don't know. If you fail to plan, you've planned to fail. You heard that one? Today, we're talking about the plan, and I want to ask you what's your plan? And how are you going to do it? Like, do you have a vision or a dream? Have you written anything down? Have you told anybody? Like, what's your plan? What's your vision? What's your dream for you individually? Like, for you as a person this year, what's your plan? Are you going to grow in any area of your life? Are going to further your education or you going to grow spiritually or you going to become a better leader or you you want a better marriage do you want to what's your plan do you even have a plan do you have a vision or are you just kind of floating along down the river of life do you have a vision or a dream for your family your kids what about your marriage what about your health? I mean, some of us would say, "Yeah, I need to I'd really like to be in better health. I want to live longer. I want to be there for my kids and my grandkids and I want to be a good steward over this body, the temple that God gave me." So, what about your health? Cool, you want to be healthier. You want to be in good health, but what's the plan? Do you have a plan? Because if you don't have a plan, we all know it's probably not going to happen. What about your finances? What about your purpose? What what about what about this one? A lot of people are and I think it's a really good thing that people are a lot more open nowadays to talk about mental health. And it's cool to talk about mental health, but what's your plan? Right? Or if you're struggling with your mental health, do you have a plan? Are you going to see a counselor? Are you going to find healing for your past trauma? Are you going to, like, what's the plan? Don't just be aware of it. That's great. That's the first step. But now what's the plan? How are we going to find some healing? What about ministry? What about the thing that God's placed inside of you that moves you? What, what, What about that? How are you making steps? What's the plan? Have you come up with a plan? Have you written it down? Have you even prayed about it? I'm not talking about one time back in 1990. All right, God, if that's the plan for me, let it happen. It's not usually how it works. right? You, you pray about it, you write it down, and then God gives you more and more and you dream about it and And we're going to look at some scriptures and some things, but I want you to start thinking about that. What's the plan? Have you prayed about it? I mean, really prayed about it. Have you told anyone? You know, I'll procrastinate like crazy. But I've found with myself, like, if there's something that I feel like God's saying or something that I really want to make happen or do, i got to start telling people. Because once I tell a bunch of people, then it's like, one, they'll hold me accountable. And now I've got to, like, I kind of have to do it because I told everybody I was. And I'm going to be a man of my word. So have you told anybody what you want to do, what you want to build, the kind of man or woman you want to be? Look at Proverbs 21, verse 5. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Make it to the top by lying and cheating, get paid with smoke and a promotion of death. It gets you nowhere. The wicked get buried alive by their loot because they refuse to use it to help others. Money's not everything mixed motives twist life into tangles pure motives take you straight down the road but what does that mean it means you're getting somewhere you ever going through life and realize like man i don't feel like i'm getting anywhere i feel like i'm doing this circles i'm the same place i was three years ago i'm the same place i was two years ago i'm like i'm not really getting anywhere that first, that verse 5, the first part I read, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Like just because you're busy doesn't mean you're getting ahead. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you're productive. And a lot of times we think, like, I'll just keep filling my plate and stay busy, 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 busy. busy but that doesn't mean you're doing the things that you need to do to be the most productive. That doesn't mean you're becoming the person that you want to be or need to be or that God's called you to be just because you're busy. Careful planning. See, time and change are going to happen, right? Like time's going to go by. Whether you like it or not, 2023 will be over in a year, and you'll be a year older, and we'll all have more gray. Like, time's going to keep on clicking on by, and things are going to change, whether you like it or not. Things in your physical body are going to change. Things in the world are going to change. Leaders will rise, and leaders will fall, and stuff changes, and time keeps going, with or without you. No one, no human alive, is richer or poorer in time or change. We all get 24 hours a day. Do what we want to do. Like we, none of us can stop it or add more to it. But listen, if you make a plan, then time and change will work for you. Right, if you don't make a plan and you're just kind of living your life and you're not, you don't have discipline and you're not following a plan, then this year I want to be healthier, and then next year I still want to be healthier, and the next year I still want to be healthier because. There's no plan. And so time and change are actually working against me. Like it's getting harder and harder. But if I make a plan and I stick to that plan with some discipline, then time and change is a positive thing. Because next year, I'm smarter. I got that degree. Or next year, I'm in better shape. Or next year, uh, I'm stronger spiritually. Or next year, I can pray powerful prayers that move me and move the heart of God next year because i made a plan so time and change work for you if you make a plan but they will work against you if you don't have a plan so what do we do well i've said it 114 times already i think you make a plan but then here's the real key you got to set a time or a deadline. Psychologists say that making a plan is a waste of time for the most part if there is no deadline or there's no time set on the plan because it's still just a good plan, right? It's still a wish. Like there's no I'm going to get it done by this time or I'm going to do this this year or I'm going to do this every day or so not only do you need to make a plan, but you got to set a time. So whatever it is, whatever that dream, whatever that vision, whatever you've written down and you're praying about every day, put a time on it. All right, I want to see this come to pass. Hey, by this time, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to get this done. Do you all have that little short video? i got a video of myself and a plan that I made It's me and my brain going back and forth, and I thought y'all would enjoy this video. All right, we just made ourselves a plan. Look at this plan. We're so good at planning. We're marvelous at planning. Yeah. Now all that is left is for us to do the plan. Ah, the doing, yes. Yes, the doing. Mm. 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 Take a five-minute break. Ten minutes. One hour. Forget the plan. Forget the plan. I know that may not be how y'all's plans work out, but a lot of my plans, that's, I mean, hey, me and my brain go back and forth, and after a few minutes of talking, guess what? Five-minute break, ten-minute break, forget the plan, forget the plan. That's why ten years later, I'm still not where I want to be, because there's this gap between the plan and doing the plan, and so today, we're going to look at some scriptures and And I'm going to give you some keys on how to close that gap, right? How do we actually go from the plan to doing the plan? You make a plan. You set a time on it. we got to stop putting things off. Do you know that you live on average 27,375 days? That's how long you're going to live. On average, so as Americans here, this is this is all an average, 27,375 days. Now, they say if you drink, smoke, and do any kind of hard drugs, that you will most definitely take days off of that number. But that if you exercise and you eat healthy and, you know, you do certain things, that you can add days to that. But on average, it's 27,375 days. That's how much we get. So is there anybody in here that's around 19, 20 years old? Okay. You've lived somewhere around 7,000 days. Tristan? A little over 7,000. Right? So that seems like, wow. I mean, you still got a lot of time left. Congratulations. you got like 20,000 days left in front of you. You've only lived 7,000. But here's the thing. It seems like to me that it was yesterday that I was about 20 years old. And this year I turned 40. And so as I studied for this message and as I was looking up like, what's the average lifespan? And so how many days do each of us live? And I was thinking, oh, I'm 40. I'm gonna calculate my exact birth date. And I've spent 14,674 of my days. a pretty sobering thought to think about the fact that on average there are more days behind me than in front of me I've already spent now I plan on living longer than the average so don't get worried but going by the averages on average I'm already over halfway there I've already spent more than half of my days and it goes by so fast it goes by quick I don't know about you, but that's a pretty sobering thought for me. How many days have you wasted? Right? I won't won't ask you to, like, say it out loud, but just think in your head. Like, how many days of your life do you think you've wasted? Just not productive, not really done anything that matters, not done anything that contributes to the kingdom of God or to your family or to, like, how many days have you wasted in your life? that You could have done something else. I'm sad to say there's a lot of my days have probably been wasted on things that didn't really matter but why is that? it's because you didn't have a plan so make a plan and God can redeem the time look what Moses said in Psalm 90 verse 12 Psalm 90 verse 12 we won't spend a lot of time on this because we looked at it a couple months ago Moses wrote this psalm, and it says, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. So that word number is a Hebrew word. It was translated number, and it means to take advantage of. So Moses is singing this prayer to God in in song form And it's God, teach us how to take advantage of our days or take advantage of the time that we have. Not waste it. Not let it slip through our fingers. Not let it fall through the cracks. God, teach us to take advantage of our days, of the time that we have, so we can apply our hearts to wisdom. How do we use the time? The habits and systems that we set in place now will have a great impact on the future. All right, the things that you choose today are gonna to have a great impact on your future one year from now, five years from now. How big of an impact will they have? It depends on how hard they are. Uh, a lot of times, the harder the thing you put on yourself right now, if you could put something on yourself right now that seems impossible, but it's getting you closer to the person you wanna to be, to where God wants you to be, then in a year from now, Five years from now? Where will you be in five years? Or more importantly, who will you be? There's 365 days this year. How will you spend them? Each one. See, if you spend them with purpose, it all matters. We're taking advantage of the time that we have, and you are building a legacy. See, a lot of people just live their lives and they never, they never build a legacy. They never leave their print. They never leave their mark. They don't become a big part of God's story. They don't, they don't have a legacy. They just live and die. And their life is about them and what they got for themselves. Legacy always begins with vision. Vision creates legacy. Big vision, big legacy. So let me ask you this. Will your dreams show up in eternity? Like if I told you to write down on a piece of paper everything that you want. If you got every single thing that you wanted, how many people would it help? Or would it help any? The difference in a legacy and a dynasty is a dynasty is how much can I get? A legacy is how much can I leave or how much can I give? God calls us to leave a legacy, not build a dynasty. Proverbs 29 18. If people can't see God, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And then the King James words that same verse like this. Where there is no vision, it's vision, purpose, where you can't see God. Where there's no finish line. Where there is no vision of where we're headed. The people perish or die. Have you ever laid down at night with just this empty or a dead feeling? Thought, am I making a difference? Does it really matter? Like, what I choose to do in the day, am I, like, am I getting anywhere? Well, I feel pretty beat up. I mean, I feel like life punched me in the face today, and, but I have no purpose or meaning. you ever felt like that? I didn't get anywhere, and I sure didn't win. I sure don't feel like a victor or a, an overcomer. That's what, that's the bumper car syndrome. That's living your life like you're in the bumper cars, and you're just going round and around and around and around, and you're getting beat up and slammed into walls and all kind of stuff, but there's no finish line. You never win. You never get the prize. Remember Paul talked about that prize of the high calling that God has on your life and you press, you run to win. Hebrews says. I don't want to spend my life in the bumper cars. We're going to get beat up either way. We're probably going to have wrecks either way but I don't want to spend my life going around in circles in the bumper car lane getting beat up and never cross the finish line and never win. I want to win. I want to see giants fall. I want to see the world change. I want to leave a legacy. Oh, I didn't finish reading that verse. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. That word law, it's a Hebrew word. It was translated law. It means regulation, teaching, or instruction. It's like training. So he that keepeth the law, or you could say he that listens to the teachings or the instructions... He that participates in the training, happy is he, right? He he that's a doer of the word. He that listens to these things, makes a plan, gets a vision from God, gets a plan, hears somebody speaking and says, that's a vision I can get behind, but then does it, right? Then says, all right, I'll do it. I want to be a part of it. I'm stepping up to do it. Solomon says happy is that person. Why? Because you're chasing after purpose. Because there's a goal. Because there's a finish line. Because you are part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of a story that God wants to tell. See, it's no longer just about you. So, happy is He. See, a dynasty is all about me and a legacy is all about God. So our prayer has been, God, fill this house with broken people. We want to be a hospital, our church, not a country club. I want to be more like an EMT than a professor. We don't need more knowledge. We need to join together and help each other find healing and hope, freedom. That's what Jesus did. Think about this. What if you went into a hospital with your son who was shot and he was bleeding out, and you run in with your son and you're screaming, Somebody help, somebody help, and no one would help. And doctors are walking by in their scrubs and their long white coats, and nurses are walking by and nobody will help you. And you're like, Help, help. Aren't you qualified to help? And they're all like, Nope, sorry. I don't come here to get messy. Oh, I'm sorry, I know I look like a doctor, and I, but I can't, I can't handle that. I don't want to be the type of church or the type of Christian or the type of pastor that when I encounter someone that's dying or broken or struggling or trapped in an addiction or lost in darkness that I look like I've got it all together, but i got nothing to give. But I look like I got everything together, but you know what? I don't want to get my hands dirty. That's not what we're supposed to be. But if I've not paid the price when I'm by myself, if I'm not in a place spiritually, mentally, physically, like, then I don't have that to give. Then I'm not that powerful. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is free. When somebody needs prayer, I want to pray a powerful prayer. And if they're lost in sin or addiction or trapped in darkness, I want to shine. I don't want to look like I've got it all figured out and have nothing to offer I guess what I'm saying is I want more and I've been praying that for about two months I've just been praying to God I want more I want more and God's been answering me on that same prayer like what is more and I felt like God said to me when I prayed that prayer the other morning I said God I want more And he said, What's more important, your feelings or my will? Say, God, I want more strength. Okay, cool. It takes more discipline. I want to have more impact. Okay, it takes more sacrifice. You want more, but it's going to take more. What are you willing to give? You see, there's a price to pay. Salvation is free, but the anointing will cost you something. If you study your Bible for long enough, you're going to see that. Salvation is free, but the anointing will cost you. You must train yourself to be mentally tough. Self-discipline is its like working out. If you just do it one time every once in a while, it is not effective. If I go do one workout a year, that's not effective. Right? It, it doesn't help. Surrender is not a feeling. It's a decision to obey. It's not like, oh, I feel I, I surrender. Surrendering to God, surrendering your life, your feelings, your wants, your taking up your cross is a decision to obey. It's a decision to, to take action. To obey what he's calling you to do. So I'm telling you, come up with a plan. Cool, you're going to be a better person next year. Cool, you're going to get in shape next year. Cool, oh that's great. You're going to be more generous. What's the plan? They say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Pastor Bruce says that declaration is fine as long as it leads to investing. Like You could declare a thing. I declare I'm going to be an excellent piano player, but then that needs to lead to me practicing the piano. Otherwise, it's ridiculous for me to keep declaring a thing that I'm not willing to put in the work to do. In fact, it discredits me, and it it makes my word no good because people say, man, he's been saying that for years, and he ain't doing it. All right, so... Declaration's fine as long as it leads to investing. My plan is to train my mind, my body, and my spirit to be a better man so that I can handle all that I'm praying for. That's my plan. And here's the strategy. See, I wrote it down, and this is how I'm going to do it. I've written it down. And I put a timeline on it. Um, And I didn't just sit down and write this down in a few minutes. I've actually been writing this on post-it notes because God's been speaking it to me. And I thought it was just for me for months. So like this whole thing was formulated from messages I've preached throughout the whole last year. And every single thing on the list has a major purpose. Like I could almost preach a whole message on each one of the things that that I put on this list. To be the man that I want to be next year. And then... A lot of you know because I started sending it out to a lot of our men in our church. Because I realized, I don't want to jump my notes. But I started sending out the challenge to a lot of the guys in the church and challenging people to do it with me. And some people told me that no one would do that with me. That it was too hard. Uh, And I've been really surprised that those of you that have been willing to... I, I made this little contract... And then the ladies, some of the ladies heard about it and were planning on committing and stuff. And so they tweaked a couple things on, on the contract. And so now the ladies have one too. And uh, today's the first. So you're committing to do this every, every day this year. If anybody wants to, it's a lot. So don't sign the contract if you're not wanting to commit to it. Cause it's gonna be hard, but that was the point, right? It was, it's doable. You could do it but you might have to not do something else right you might have to like trade it out for something that's not productive in your life which probably be a good thing and i can promise you it'll be beneficial so the ladies one is almost just like the men's one so i'll read it to you real fast what it says it says warrior contract 2023 as a man i will lead I will join the fight and I will advance the kingdom this year. I will run toward the roar because fear and procrastination have gotten me nowhere. I understand that the dog you feed wins the fight. So mentally, physically, and spiritually, I will feed the hero and I will starve the coward in me. I will lead like Jesus did. I'll be first. First to love. First to forgive. First to give. I will add value to people and stand up for the weak. I give my word that this year, I will... I will be generous. Let's give 10% of my time, talent, and treasures. I will be grateful. Write down five things a day that I'm grateful for and let one person a day know. I will pray out loud five minutes a day. You know, if you commit to do that, pray out loud five minutes a day that by the end of this year, you will have prayed out loud 1,825 minutes. Out loud in a year. You know when you speak something out loud, your words are powerful, right? And when you speak it out loud, and your ears hear you saying it, like each, each one of these things, I, there's a reason. The next one, I will read the word for ten minutes a day. That'd be three thousand six hundred fifty minutes. I will have read. I will do one hundred push ups and one hundred squats a day. Thirty six thousand five hundred of each next year. And then there's I will not look at pornography I will not be offended and I will not make a decision motivated motivated by fear this is what type of man I choose to be a today man not a one-day man I will run to win I will not live my life lacking purpose courage mental toughness discipline or self-confidence my relationship with God will grow and I will be ready mentally physically and spiritually to win the fight and there's a place for a signature. And then I put this Bible verse on the bottom. Blessed be the Lord my rock and my great strength, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Psalm one forty four, verse one. And the ladies one is almost exactly the same. I think they changed out one or two of the things. The exercise one, they they switched that up a little bit, and one other one. But So today's the first. So if you want to take the challenge, we got those and you can sign and we're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to do that. And next year, there's going to be a group of us that are going to be better mentally, physically, spiritually. We're moving on to the next level. We're going up. This will not be easy, but it will make you a doer of the word. And it will strengthen you in all areas of your life. It will train your brain. And it will connect you to each other. So let's not waste time. Look at Ephesians 5. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off of those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Why? Because you miss moments. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge droughts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises or thanks. Be grateful over everything. Any excuse for a song to God, the Father, in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. So make a list. Here's the list. And maybe this list isn't for you but I'm encouraging you to make a list. Have you ever gone grocery shopping and not had a list? Like that's not a good idea, especially if you're hungry. Or like if Jesse will tell me like five things, hey, can you stop by Walmart and grab, you know, toilet paper, laundry detergent, milk, and and then if I don't write it down or I don't make a note in my phone, and then I stop by the grocery store, Several hours later on my way home, and I'm walking through there thinking, what in the world was I supposed to get? What was it? And you're walking up and down aisles. Well, guess what? Then you end up getting things you don't really need. Oh, that looks good. Oh, I hadn't eaten dinner yet. Oh, that looks wonderful. And you're loading up your cart, and with the price of groceries now, it doesn't take but about this much to be $100. $100. You're spending money that you weren't supposed to spend. You're getting things that you don't really need. And then sometimes you walk out of the store and you never did get what you do need. All right? You forgot one of the things that, that you were supposed to get. Why? Just because it didn't make a list. It didn't write it down. It did, I just couldn't remember it. It was no fault of my own. There was no evil intent, or I wasn't thinking like I'm not gonna get the toilet paper. <laughs> Wait till she's up in the middle of the night. Like there's no there's no evil intent. It's just if you didn't write it down, you didn't get what you were supposed to get, and then it could be bad. So write it down. Stop wasting time, walking around, wandering around, going through day after day not accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish. This is almost like a cheat code. Write it down. Then you read it, you speak it, tell people that'll hold you accountable. And you put a time on it. Steve Harvey has this motivational video about this, and I watched it, and it was good, but it's too long to play you guys right now. So the short version of it is, he says that there are two things you can apply right now and it'll change your life. And he said, you know, I started doing this when I was a nobody and broke. And I started doing these two things. And it's based off of two Bible verses that I was taught when I was a young man, a teenage boy. And I started doing these two things and my life changed. The first one he said was, um, it's that Bible verse that says, you have not because you ask not. And he said, oh, are you, I mean, you want all these things. You want to see these things in your life. Have you asked Have you asked anybody about it? Have you asked God about it? Like diligently, have you been praying about it? Have you asked God to help you with it? And then have you been writing down answers and ways that you could get it or ways you could stop doing it or whatever it is that that you're asking for? You have not because you ask not. So have you been asking God? Have you been asking people? Have you been trying to make connections and do the things you need to do to get that? The second one was also based off of a Bible verse it's in um, Habakkuk 2, where it says, um, get a vision, and write it down, make it plain. Message Bible says, write it in big block letters so that somebody running by can read it. Right, write it down. That was his second one, was write it down. Get a vision board. He said, I've never met a successful person. I've never met a a wealthy or successful person that didn't have a vision board or notebook papers with it written out, what it is that they want, that they look at constantly, that they pray over, that they try to figure out how, that they strategize by looking at their... He said, write it down. Write it down and then read it to yourself every day. Speak it out loud and pray about it. Talk to God about it. If you don't write it down, you'll forget You'll go days, weeks, and months. And you'll forget. You'll grow complacent. Um, they did a study, and study was on, like, if you're sitting and listening to a talk, like this one today, like me sitting here talking to you guys. And if you're sitting here and listening, and you just listen, you're a hearer only, like James, Jesus' brother, talked about. If you're a hearer only, and you're just sitting here listening today, that they say the average person is going to retain about 5% of what I say. Which is pretty depressing for me if I think about how much I put into these messages if I think that most of you guys are only retaining about 5% of that. Um, But then it also makes me feel okay about using repeat material and saying some things over and over throughout the year (laughs) because the chances of that being the 5% that you remembered from a few months ago is pretty rare. So... Uh, But they say that you'll retain about 5% of what I say. Some of you a little more, some a little less. That's 5% is the average. But listen to this. If you take notes, that goes up to 35%. You'll retain if you just took a few notes during the message. If you take notes and act on what you learn or go back and re-listen to the message, if it's a recorded talk or message or college class or whatever it is, if you go back and re-listen to it just one time and act on something that you heard, it jumps up to between 90 and 95% retention rate. You remember almost everything that was said. As you took the time to take some notes and then actually do something, like to remember it, to do something. so write it down I encourage you go to God pray write it down if you sign one of these contracts read it every morning get up and read it and remind yourself what you're doing and then get your notebook out when you're committing one of those things is that I'm going to write down five things I'm grateful for when you write those down and just jump over to your other page and write down the things that you're dreaming write down the things that God's showing you I Guess he'll start speaking through that pen I promise you, does it for me, and it'll do it for you, so write it down, all right, we need to land this plane, what's the plan, what do you believe that God can do through you, not through Dusty, not through somebody else, through you, because that's what we need, like we need each other. And if you don't believe God can do it through you, then we're all lacking. And say the chain's only as strong as the weakest link. What can God do through you? Remember uh, Paul at the end of his life, the last thing that he wrote to Timothy, his son in the faith, that was that was preaching at the largest church of their time. And, and Paul, one of the last things that Paul ever wrote was where he said, You know, my life, I'm done. It's over for me. My life is poured out like a drink offering. And then Paul said, Paul said this I've fought the good fight. I've run my race. And I've kept the faith. See, Paul left a legacy. And Paul was telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, this is how I left the legacy. This is how I did it. Right? I fought the good fight. We're all fighters. You're all fighting. You're fighting in life. You're fighting to make it, fighting to survive. You fight with each other. You fight with, like, I'm sure you've been in some fights. A few weeks ago when I was in Kansas and got to spend some time with some uh, Green Berets, and special ops, and U.S. military guys, and we found ourselves sitting around a campfire late one night, and people were sitting around, and, you know, the stories start coming, and you may have been a part of one of these conversations before where people start showing their scars and i usually like those kind of conversations right it's usually kind of fun yeah i got this one right here a horse i have one on my forearm where a horse bit me and twisted and just tore my skin and like i think that's a pretty tough looking that's a pretty tough scar not when you're sitting around the campfire with green berets You start kind of covering up your scars like, oh, gosh, don't ask me. Yeah, we were busting in this building and there was 50 armed men and they were trafficking this young girl. And we set a bomb charge on the door and the shrapnel flew off from one of their little pipe bombs. And it ripped my face right here and almost took out my eyeball. Right. Like you tell some crazy like these guys have been through some they've been in some fights. They chose to be in those fights. To do good and to do right. And, and okay, you're looking around like, whew, that's some serious stuff. And then I look over at you like, hey, you got any scars? Like, yeah. You see that scar on my thumb? Pipe cutter slipped off in my mom's bathroom one time. True story, that happened from one of those little stupid clamp pipe cutters. Cut my Bro, that's embarrassing. Like, nah, my skin's so tough, I don't scar. Next. I want to get into scar story, telling story with these guys. So what about when you sit around spiritually with people and when I'm older like Paul was here and I'm leaving my legacy and I'm sitting around with my grandkids and my great grandkids and I'm looking at what all God's done through us and through this church and through my family and through my kids and and, and when I'm looking at all that and we're sitting around and we're comparing scars, man, I want to point back at some times like, yeah, you see that scar? That's where I stood up and fought for my family. You see that? I, I don't want to look back and be like, yeah, man, I got a scar right here from a Facebook fight I was in on, and I won that thing because I sent an emoji that, and then he quit messaging back. <laughs> Bro, get out of here. I want to talk about some real battles, some real giants that I was a part of taking down. Some things that threatened to take my freedom and my life from my family and from mankind. I want to show scars from standing up for people that were trapped I want some real scars to show. I fought the good fight. I finished my course, my race. Your race isn't the same as my race. My race isn't the same as your race. Y'all weren't supposed to stand up here today and present this. I was. My race. Don't look to the left or the right. You know what? When I I go watch one of my kids in a sporting event, when Malachi was running track, Um, you know who I watched when they were running around that track Malachi sorry Tristan sometimes Tristan was running on that same track I would glance at Tristan too (laughs) I just realized Tristan sitting beside him he was running on that track at the same time Malachi was sometimes anyways as a father I'm watching my son proud of my son I'm watching him run his race and I want him to do the best that he can I said, don't be looking to the left and to the right and saying, oh, you know what, Dusty's running faster than me, or oh well, guess what? I'm running faster than her. I'm running like this this trap of comparison. Let it go. Run your race. Do what God's calling you to do. And he said, keep the faith. Like you may have lost some things, but keep the faith. Don't stop believing. Guess what Paul's saying is you can exchange your faith for something else. If he said keep it, that means you can give it up. You could exchange it for fear. You could exchange it for doubt. Paul said, No, keep the faith. I've kept the faith. We walk by faith and we connect in love. But we need each other. Can I close in Ephesians one, in Ephesians four? Ephesians 4 1, I beseech you. This is Paul. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk. That means you do something. You don't just sit there. You got to get up. You got to walk. You got to do something. Worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, and forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because we need each other to be powerful. There's one body and one spirit, even as you're called, one hope for your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all. and in all, one, one, one. do you notice a theme? To walk worthy of the call or the purpose that's on your life? One, 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 one. We need each other. And we need people that are willing to invest. That's the heart of a father or a mother that we would invest. You know, if you jumped up to uh, Ephesians 3.20, it's a super familiar passage, and I think a lot of times we as Christians read it wrong. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Right? And, And maybe you've been at a place in your life where you thought, Hey, God, So if you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think, where's it at? Because I could ask or think a lot more than what I'm seeing right now. But it doesn't say he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think in me. It says he could do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, not me. Exceedingly abundantly above, it's when we connect, not through one of us. I'm a firm believer that you cannot see or know or experience the fullness of God through one person, He's too big. One person's brain can't even handle it. You, you could never see a full picture of God through one person. That's why we have to connect. That's why we have to do it. See, one person changed by God, you can explain away. I I saw this incredible, um, it's like a documentary on butterflies. And they said that these butterflies somehow migrate from up north and from Canada and all these places when it starts getting cold. And there's this one forest where they all come to. And they said, there are over half a billion, billion butterflies and it was showing videos of it and it was like incredible and they said people if you're there like in person and you see these butterflies fly by there's so many of them they block out the light from the sun but then as they're flying the rays of the sun are coming through their wings and they say it's breathtaking it's it's one of the most beautiful things in all of the world is when all of these butterflies come together if one butterfly was flying through that forest Nobody's doing a documentary about it. Nobody's going, orange and black butterfly feeds on cow manure. Like, yeah, you might see it and be like, that's cool. Ah, pretty nice butterfly. Well, he's not from this region. He migrated from somewhere far away and he came here, so that one butterfly is actually remarkable. He may be. But you could explain him away by himself. Yeah, he probably just got up in somebody's suitcase when they got off the plane. He was here and he flew out or something like you could explain it away. You cannot explain half a billion butterflies connected and all there. They have to be like, wow, this is crazy. We don't know how they get there. They don't have a GPS. They've never been there. They're born. They fly here. They all meet up together. Half a billion butterflies every year. Doesn't make sense. And it's wow. People are like, oh. Takes their breath away. You know, one life changed by God is awesome and it's beautiful. That's great. It's like the one butterfly. But it can be explained away. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that he he beat his addiction, but you know, he like you can explain it away. One person that's experienced victory or one person that's walking in freedom or one person that's touched and changed by light by God but what happens when we connect we get brighter we are unexplainable that's why the church is so powerful when we come together and we worship together and God's presence moves in us like He said He would and He comes up out of us and there's this tangible presence and and when we connect outside of this building, when we the church, the ecclesia, the body of Christ, when we connect it's unexplainable, it's this powerful thing and we start to reflect the image of our God see one man living a radical life in 2023 cool. That's awesome. It's great. He's the pastor. He has to. I mean, he really doesn't, but it's easy to explain away, just like you can explain away the one butterfly. How in the world did he get 10 men to do it with him? 20 men? 30 men? What? Huh? What? A bunch of the women are doing it, too? Wait. It becomes powerful and unexplainable. Wait. One woman's choosing to be grateful. Oh, it's easy for her. That's just in her personality. She's she's grateful about everything anyways. Like it's easy to explain that away. What about a whole community of women that have decided to be grateful? It becomes this beautiful and powerful thing that begins to reflect the image of our God. See, the fullness of God cannot be fully expressed through one person. It's more important to God that you learn how to forgive than that you make money. Because He wants us to be in relationship with each other. If you want to change the world, it starts in you. But it will be walked out by connecting with others. So let's pray. Hey God, thanks for giving us a plan. God, thank you for giving us free will and choice so that we can choose. God, we choose to love you. God, we choose to believe that you sent your son to die on a cross for us and pay for our sins so that we could be in relationship with you. We choose to believe that we are free because of the price that you paid. But God, we also choose to be a part of your story. We choose to be the men and the women that you've called us to be. We choose to be good stewards over our money and over our time and over these bodies that you've given us. God, we thank you for the days. We thank you for for the year to come. And we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do in us and through us. We want to see big things. God, I want more. And I'm willing to make the sacrifices. I'm willing to pay the price to receive all that you have for me and for us. So God, we believe that you're going to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could even ask or think. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.